want you to take a look at verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, and who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And the title of my message tonight is Getting Technical About Forgiveness. And that word forgiveness is actually, in, you know, in many ways, a financial term. If somebody owes a debt and you're unable to pay it, what do you need? You need that debt forgiven is a word that can be used many times. We see also in that passage it uses the word redemption. We have redemption through his blood. And the truth is, if you are saved today, you ought to get a good feeling every time you hear the word forgiveness or Forgiven. That is a very important word for us because forgiveness is a doctrine that is very important when it comes to our salvation. Our salvation that we have, it's based on forgiveness, not repayment. And that's a very important thing people need to understand. In fact, to get salvation, you must, one must understand you have to have forgiveness. You can't try to, you can't repay it back. It's not you repaying some and then Jesus taking care of the rest. No. What's the song we sing? Jesus paid it all. That's the song we say we sing because of the fact he paid every bit of it. And so forgiveness from Christ is a precious gift. And the truth is, it's a false doctrine really to even teach. And sometimes preachers will say this when they're caught up in a moment and they're trying to help people understand how bad their sin is and how hell real is. They'll say, you ought to go to God and beg him for forgiveness. And, and I see what they're trying to say, but at the same time, too, we don't have to beg for forgiveness. God doesn't make us do it. You just have to ask. You know, when we beg, it's typically because we're not sure we're going to get it. We're trying to prove to them we're worthy of it. No, that's not how it is. When we just have to ask, and he's just ready to give it. That's just who he is. And here's the thing about that, too. He didn't put a bunch of conditions on us to help us, to, to make us worthy of forgiveness. Faith is it. We talked about that this morning. Faith is it. It, it. It's not even that you had to repent of your sins first, and then maybe he'll forgive you. He didn't even say you have to be willing. You've got to convince me that in your mind and in your heart, you're planning on repenting of your sins. That's not even that. It's not even that. It's just you come to him for forgiveness. You understand this is a debt I cannot pay, and you go to him for it, and he will give it every single time. And so while the concept of forgiveness, it's really not a super deep concept. It's not a hard thing to understand. I believe God made, you know, I believe it's a simple thing to understand for a reason because God wanted the plan of salvation to be simple. But, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with us taking our Bible and taking a deeper look into this doctrine of forgiveness. And we're not, we're not going to do this today to complicate it. I'm not going to give you a bunch of fancy theological terms that we're going to look at today to make ourselves look smart. Forgiveness is a very simple thing to understand. But when we study the Bible and when we take this deeper look at forgiveness, I think it, it one, it helps us have a better appreciation for the forgiveness that we've received when we take a look at this. But it also will help us understand how to be forgiving people and in a proper way, too. Because as Christians, you know, we, we're living in a day where the old covenant, it's gone. It's vanished away. And because of that, it's real easy 
for us to take certain things for granted. Now, this message I'm going to preach, I probably should have made a series out of this, but I have a tendency to want to preach on a lot of different things, and I just want to get it all done and get it all out there. But I'm going to try to cram a lot into this one sermon. But uh, it is, we could, if, when you go back and you read that Old Testament, there's a whole lot of, if you do this, this is what you have to do. This is payment. This is the method. This is the sacrifice. There's all these steps and things you had to go through. None of us have ever lived under that. And so forgiveness, it's such an easy thing that we do. We take for granted that in reality, all those debts are owed or were, you know, would be owed were it not for Jesus Christ. And when we forget what payment was for sin, it causes us to take sin lightly. And that's another reason I believe the law should be included in our Bible. One, because it is the Bible, and that's one of the reasons we need to preach the Old Testament. One of the reasons we need to uh, read the Old Testament. We need to be reminded because the Old Testament reminds us of what we were saved from. And that is so important in order for us to fully comprehend a lot of these things about salvation. But again, we, we're taking a deeper look because we're trying to be better in our forgiveness of other people. The Bible says in Colossians 3.12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, look at this, if any man have a quarrel against any, what's the solution? Let's go to the law and figure out how to settle these quarrels. You can find stuff like that in the Bible. But what does Paul say? Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So if we've been commanded to forgive like Christ gave versus going to the law and holding people accountable like it's spelled out in the law, if, you know, then we, what we've got to understand is why are we able to do this and how did Christ do it? Because the way Christ forgave is how we are supposed to forgive. And so, under, so when it comes to forgiveness, we also, too, being New Testament Christians, we understand you know, it is just kind of an automatic thing. You know, uh, you know, our kind of go-to thing when somebody does something wrong, you just need to forgive. And we're not wrong, not really, when we say that. But at the same time, too, it's important that we understand why we can do that. Because did you know there are times, too, when we have no right to forgive? There are times when we shouldn't forgive. So a few things that we need to understand about forgiveness is, uh, one... There can be no forgiveness without proper payment. And what does it say in Hebrews 9.22? And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence for God. So for there to be forgiveness, payment has to be made. It would be wrong. I use this illustration all the time when I'm out sowing, when I'm with somebody. You know, if I'm, if I'm with, with one of my kids, you know, I'll say, you know, if my daughter went and threw a rock through your window, it wouldn't be right for me to say, I forgive them. I don't have the right to just forgive them. They wronged you. They owe you a window. The only way I can forgive them for doing that wrong is if I'm willing to pay for it. I have no right to just expect them. That would not be just for me to just tell them that you got to deal with it. I forgave them. Imagine if somebody murdered somebody 
And then I just went to the judge and I just said, you know what, let them off, let them out of prison, don't sentence them, I forgive them. I can't do that. that that's not right. There, there's a payment that has to be made and, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but one of the reasons we're able to forgive so much stuff is because Jesus Christ paid for sins. So keep that in mind. But there can, So there's never forgiveness, there should be no forgiveness without proper payment being made. There can also be no forgiveness unless payment is made to the one who has been sinned against. That's another important thing we've got to understand. So you have to make payment to the one who has been sinned against. Otherwise, it's not just, it's not right. Brother Matt goes and slashes Brother Eric's tires. Okay, He shouldn't pay me back and then me forgive him. That wouldn't be right. He's got to pay Eric back. He's the one that he wronged. That, you know, that's, so that's not just. So again, we can't just, there's some things where people are going around forgiving that they have no right to forgive. It's not their place to forgive. The offender or the sinner always has an appointment to wrath or is in debt until they are forgiven by the offended or payment has been made. That's another thing you have to understand. So keep all those things in mind. And, and we're going to see too, that all of this you know, lines up with uh, what we're going to teach. Another thing, forgiveness is not automatically owed to anyone. Okay? Sin, forgiveness is never just automatically owed to anyone. And I know what you're thinking, but the forgiveness that you're thinking of that we've been commanded to do is anything but automatic. Okay? Much took place for us to be able to forgive people. Okay? And that's the thing we've got to understand. We are able to forgive because of what Jesus did. It's not an automatic thing. Listen, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is right. And we're going to get to that passage here in a little bit. But again, it's not just an automatic. The fact that we can forgive is because something was in fact done. So forgiveness without proper payment or given by someone without the proper credentials is in reality sin. This is another reason too why we must have the death penalty for some sins. We have no right as a society to forgive a murderer. The one that they sinned against cannot give forgiveness. They're dead. So they, they, we, we have no right as a society to just forgive that. And the price for murder is very clear. It's death. That's what the Bible spells out. That is just, that is right. And when we do not, as a society make people do that payment, we're doing wrong and we have blood in our hands as a society. So that's a very important thing. There are some things that we don't have the right to forgive. Some pervert goes out there and they molest a child. We don't have the right as a society to forgive that. Okay? If, if somebody does something to me that's worthy of the death penalty, I have the right to forgive them, but society doesn't necessarily have the right to forgive too, because there are some things too that, you know, people are in danger of repeating and, you know, these things must be dealt with appropriately. So understand our society today that is very forgiving towards a lot of very wicked sins just proves how perverted our society is and how wicked our society is. So people, they get mad at us. You know, you guys should be more forgiving. Well, I think we should be very forgiving too, but we have to have authority. We have to have the proper credentials in order to be able to forgive. So 
Uh, so, you know, keep all these things in mind. So now that we've established all these things, let's look at some specific situations and make sure we understand why forgiveness is not just okay, but sometimes expected and even demanded. And then let's also look at, we'll kind of talk about some things where, situ- or where forgiveness should not be given. So first off, let's look at forgiveness when it comes to salvation. Right? When it comes to that. We all, now, we all know that here. Salvation is based on a debt that we have been forgiven. It is a debt we owed. It was a debt we were incapable of paying, but yet God forgave it. Now, how was God able to forgive that debt? Because first off, who did we sin against? We sinned against God, right? So what was the payment? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Okay? Now, the problem with that, we can't come back from death. That, but that's what the proper payment is. So how are we? So the thing is, we all know what happened, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God sent Jesus, and he paid the debt for us. He, he paid our debt. And he died, and he was able to get out of hell because he was God. Because sin couldn't hold him, because he had no sin of his own, because he was the Son of God, He conquered death for us, and we never could have done it. And so now God is able to continue being holy. He's able to continue being just, and he is able to just forgive us all our trespasses. Why? Because payment's been made. So and if payment had not been made, God would have been unrighteous, and God would have been unholy to forgive us that sin debt. So again, and that's why Jesus gets all the credit. So how do we receive forgiveness? Well, it's very simple. Uh, thankfully, once again, 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions we have desired of Him. We know, we always know when someone calls on the Lord for salvation that he will answer that prayer because we know that's his will. We know that it's his will to forgive everyone of their sins. We know that the Calvinists are wrong. It's not his will to only forgive some. No, it's God's will to forgive everyone of their sins. And when someone asks God to forgive them of their sins, we know that prayer will be answered because we know that that is God's will because the Bible spells it out. I don't know that it's God's will that I get the new Tesla that I prayed for. I don't know that it's God's will that I win the lottery. I know it's probably as well. I don't win the lottery. So if I pray and I ask for that, I don't know that I'm going to receive that petition. But when it comes to getting forgiveness of sins, I know that's his will. I know that's, that's why Jesus came to earth. So I'm going to get that one. Everybody's going to get that one as soon as they ask. So another thing we've got to understand too, salvation outside of Jesus Christ or or based on one's own works is meaningless because anyone who pretends that they can grant forgiveness like a priest is a liar. That's why, again, it's Jesus only, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care how politically incorrect that is. Jesus Christ is it. He made the payment. He is the only acceptable payment that God will, uh, God will accept. And so because of that, any salvation outside of Christ doesn't count. Any salvation based on works will not count because our salvation is based on forgiveness. And again, as a, as a pastor, I cannot absolve you of your sins. 
Why? You don't owe that debt to me. That sin debt that's worthy of death, you don't owe it to me. Therefore, I can't forgive that debt. And so these people go to these priests paying indulgences and things like they used to do. They, these priests have no right to grant them that forgiveness. I can grant you forgiveness if you sin against me. You sin against God, can't forgive you for that. I, I don't have that ability. I don't have that authority to do that. Now, I, and we'll talk, we'll talk about this a little bit later. I do have the ability to tell you how you can get that forgiveness, though. Somebody comes to me saying, I want forgiveness for God, from God for my sins. Let me tell you exactly how to get it. And we tell them about Jesus Christ. His son paid that, paid that sin. Will you trust in what he did? Will you offer Jesus Christ's sacrifice as your own? Will you claim that? If you do that, God will forgive you every single time. Or not every single time, one time. And then you're good. So every single time somebody does that, he will accept it. I guess I should say it that way. So it's a perversion of justice to teach salvation outside of Christ and based off of our works. And, or in any, it's based on anything rather than complete and total forgiveness. And it's a perversion of justice to teach that one can lose their salvation based on one's poor performance of the law after they've been forgiven of their breaking of that law. I mean, now think about that. You know, to, you know, to teach that God puts a new expectation on someone based on the law is to deny forgiveness. Again, everybody claims forgiveness. Catholics claim forgiveness. But then yet they will go and say, based on your performance of the law, you're not going to heaven. But then what was that forgiveness all about? What, what was that debt that I owed? What was that sin? It was your transgression of the law. He gave you forgiveness. And it wasn't just a you know, partial one or you got to pay me back later. I'm going to put it on installments and do whatever. No, it was complete and total forgiveness. So to deny eternal security is to just completely deny the doctrine of forgiveness. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, we've all had debts before, maybe credit card debt or something you paid off. And you know what? When you pay off a debt, you're usually pretty proud of it, aren't you? You know, you can boast about paying off a debt, can't you? People, when they pay off their mortgage, a lot of times they'll have big parties and they'll do big mortgage burning. We paid off our debt. You know, that's something to boast about. But when it comes to salvation, we don't get to do any of that stuff because we didn't pay it. We didn't do it. We were just forgiven a debt. You know, that's kind of a humbling thing to just, I owed this. You know, I, I had all this you know, debt that I racked up. I couldn't handle it. It makes you look bad. It makes you look irresponsible. And if you get forgiven, that's great. I'm glad I'm not being held accountable. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not getting thrown into a debtor's prison. But I'm not going to brag about it. If I go and the bank goes and forgives me of my debt, for me then to go and brag about paying off my mortgage, that'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? If that banker was sitting there that forgave my debt, her, that would be like, you know, I got a problem with you, buddy. And you know, how does God feel when he has forgiven us a debt and we're going around acting like we got it because of some work we did? God's not okay with that. So, uh, that's for, so that's forgiveness when it comes to salvation. Now let's look at forgiveness too that we've been commanded to give as Christians when we are sinned against. Because a lot of these same principles, they, they apply. And, I'm, and one thing I love about the doctrine of forgiveness is, you know, I don't, maybe it's just me because I'm a pastor. I don't know if anybody else struggles with this. But you know what? I like the idea of power. I don't know. I like the idea of authority. 
And the truth is, that ability to forgive is a great power and authority. I mean, you all would feel pretty good if you had the power to just go around forgiving financial debts for people. I mean, wouldn't that make you feel pretty good? Just be able to go up to somebody, you know, see that lady that's, you know, her uh, credit cards being declined. She's got all those kids and struggling. And if you could just go up to her and say, ma'am, I forgive your debt. And then all of a sudden her debt's all gone and her credit card works. You know, that'd make you feel pretty good, right? I mean, I don't know. I'd like doing that. Now, a lot of you think you'd be giving people if you had a lot of money. But some of you won't even forgive somebody that, like, steals your seat in church. So, you know, you probably, you probably wouldn't do any of this stuff. But you know, at the same time, I don't think we realize forgiveness, it is, it, 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 it's a great authority. You know, a, a governor has great power and authority. He has the ability to pardon people that are in prison. A guy that's in prison serving a life sentence, a governor can come along and he can sign a paper, do some paperwork, and that guy's out of prison. A guy could be on death row about to be executed and a governor can come along and say, you know what, he's not getting executed. That's a lot of power, right? If I was a governor, I wouldn't do too many of those. But at the same time, we would like to have some of that. Well, folks, we have it. This ability to forgive, and we we just kind of take it for granted. You know, I think if you've got a power, you ought to use it. That's why I personally think. Imagine a superhero movie about a superhero who has all these powers and he never, ever uses it. You know, that'd be a boring movie, wouldn't it? Got all these people they need saving. The superheroes are standing there watching everything fall apart. And here we have the ability to forgive people of sins that are done to us. And that is people who have great condemnation on them. People who have great debts to us because they've sinned against us. And they do. They owe us a debt if they've sinned against us. And we have that power and that authority to say, you know what? It's gone. And you might not like, so I'd rather have a power to call down fire from heaven. I know, but you don't know what spirit you're of. You're like, you're like Jesus' disciples, how, how they were. But let's look at this forgiveness we've been commanded to give. Because remember, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And so even though all men are sinners, it is also possible to sin against man. Okay? Uh, and a lot of people have this attitude too. Because you know, we talk about sinning against God. And it's like, well, my sin I did was against that person. And... Again, this, it's our sins against God that are going to get us thrown into hell. And when you sin against God, you know, he will, he will forgive those sins and you will not go to hell. But here's the thing, too. If I sin against man, that's a different thing. So, for example, if I were to rob someone, you know, and then, or, if, or somebody, let's say somebody else. I'm already saved, so I can't use myself. But let's say we've got a lost guy out there and he goes and he robs somebody. And then he goes and gets saved. And then the court's like, when that person's trying to, you know, get restitution for what was stolen, they're like, well, you got to understand, he's been saved since he robbed your house, and so it's under the blood now, and he doesn't owe you anything. No, he's not going to go to hell for stealing. He's not in trouble with God anymore because it's under the blood. But he still owes that man. And so, again, I don't owe god anymore because my debt's been forgiven so i'm not going to pay the penalty of sin that is death but if i sin against you i owe you a debt and the and so god's not going to throw me in hell because of that sin that i did against you but there is, i there is an account now between me and you and i owe you 
based on, based on the law. I owe you because of that sin. And we forget that. And Christians can sometimes be the worst. What do we do? Well, it's, it's, all, it's, all, we just, it's all under the blood. And yet, that's when it comes to things between us and God. But there is also things between us and man. And nobody's going to uh, go to hell for where we've wronged each other if, we're, if you're saved. But we need to get these things we need to get these things right. Turn over to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. Again, we're going back to the law right now. And, oh, the law is finished. Well, again, I'm not going to go to hell because of it. But let's just see what God thinks about some of these things. So uh, Exodus 21, verse 22, says, If a man strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And if a man smite the eye of his servant and the eye of his maid that it perish, then shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. So right there, we see in the holy law of God, that's where we get the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You say, well, wait, no, that was Old Testament. Jesus did away with that in Matthew chapter 5. Well, are you completely sure about that? Because turn, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. And, and I get it. Something changed. But why has it changed? And what has actually changed? What made it different? Again, we're getting technical today. Okay, I personally don't think you should go around with an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. I don't believe that at all. But, there, but there's a reason for that. And then there's a reason back in the law, God gave that to him. And understand, it's still good. It's still proper. It's still right. But let's, let's go ahead and take a look at this passage. Verse 38. You have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil... But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now why do we do this? that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, does this mean you'll be saved if we do these things? No, it's so you will be identified as his children. This is how people will know we are the children of God. There's no physical change that takes place when you get saved, but there needs to be an outward change as far as in our actions and our behavior. And so we can't, we've got to be different. We can't do this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth route. We need to be forgiving. And, be, and this is how people know because he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So what Jesus is saying here, this, this command that he gave, this is not Jesus removing the eye for an eye thing. This is him Telling believers, telling his followers, this is what I'm telling you to do so people will know you're my children. Now, again, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's about 
problems between me and you. And you know what Jesus is basically saying here? You know what? You can forgive. You can forgive. That's what I want you to do. I want you, I'm giving you that power to forgive. Yeah, but, but they sinned against me. They owed a debt. I get it. Yeah, they owe you a debt. Forgive it. That's what he's saying to do. He's, and so we've got to understand, we can owe people debts. We can owe saved people debts. We can owe lost people debts. debts. And if you owe a debt, you should pay that debt. But again, I don't really want to lose my eye. You know, and I obviously we're not going to do it that way today. But you know what? Don't think because you're a Christian, you can just go sinning against people. And then God's not going to have a problem with that. And God's not going to chasten with you, chasten you here on this earth. You can't just go around treating people terrible. You can't go just racking up all this debt. I mean, I guess if you want to just pick on people that are super, super, super forgiving. But you know what? At some point, God might just come along and say, you know what? I know they keep forgiving you, but I'm, I'm done. <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do, but either way, you know, you need to, um, you need to understand when you sin against somebody, you owe them. That's very important to understand because you sin against them. So this commandment that Jesus gave is for those of us who are saved. And again, we should think about that every once in a while, because if the law is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and this person wronged me. Again, is it ever is forgiveness automatic? No. Okay, there for someone to be able to forgive, they have to have the ability, they have to have the power, they have to have the authority to forgive. And so the Bible has made it very clear. Things that are done to us, we are in fact allowed to forgive. We can go as far and not only are we allowed to forgive, we're also even allowed to be merciful. We're not only can we clear people of their debt, we can do good to them in return. That's a great power right there that we have been given. And that power that we have, it came with a great price, not for us, but from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a, is able to do that because of the fact that he paid for the sins of the world. And so whenever those sins are done to us, he, is, we, he has allowed us, He has authorized us, and He's even commanded us to forgive other people. And that is something that in reality should excite us. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get too excited about that power. But you should be excited about that power. It says in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 2, um, or that's not the verse I'm looking for. Look at uh, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 12. It says, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Y'all see that there? Is that just talking financial debts? No, that's talking about sin debts right there. He's asking God to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why? Because when people sin against us, they owe us. Man, Pastor Tom, you have no idea all the things people in this church owe me. I've had so many sins against me. Well, you know what? I don't think I'm asking a whole lot if I just said, you know what? Can, can you forgive them? I need this made right. Why? I mean, uh, why, why are you so desperate to have that debt paid back? Are you that spiritually poor? Because, folks, I'm going to show you a verse here in a little bit. You know, generosity is actually expected from us because we are filthy rich in this area. I'm not going to take time to go to the parable. But remember the parable of Matthew 18 where the man had, was forgiven a great debt? And then he went and started messing with the guy who owed him a small debt. 
And remember how that master, that man who forgave the great debt felt when he saw how we treated the person with the small debt? Folks, we have been forgiven a great debt and we will never forgive more than we've been forgiven. He'll never do it. So understand, we, in, in, generosity is expected from people, typically, who are filthy rich. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So again, these are big things you're expecting me to forgive. I know, but you're rich. You can handle it. Hey, there's some debts, you know, that, you know, if nobody owes me any money right now, but I mean, I'm poor enough that if you owed me enough money, I would probably really need it back, you know, because I'm I'm not that rich, you know. But at the same time, when it comes to sin debts, guess what? We can all afford to forgive. Do you understand that? Listen, I, I understand some of these landlords, you know, they have to evict people. I don't think they're all villains. A lot of times they owe mortgages on the house. They've got money. They've got bills that they have to pay. They might not be in a financial situation where they can forgive that debt. I get all that. But at the same time, when it comes to sin debts, every one of us can afford to forgive. And when you don't, you know what you do? You look like a spiritual Scrooge. You're like Scrooge out there evicting orphans and all those things like he did when he was filthy, stinking rich. He didn't need that money, but yet look at what, how he was with people. You don't need people to repay their sin debts to you. You don't have to have that. You don't have to have restitution for these things. I, I want it. Yeah, because you're greedy. That's why, that's why you want it so bad. You know what? Be generous. I'm not ask, I don't think it's asking a lot to ask you to be generous. I, you can do that. I know you can. You know why? Because it's the same reason we would expect Donald Trump Jr. to be generous to a certain extent. I mean, he's the son of a billionaire. You kind of expect him to be rich too, don't you? And since we are the children of Jesus Christ and we know he's rich, you know what? Everybody expects us to be rich too. And guess what? We are. We are very rich and we can forgive people all we want. And we should forgive even when we don't want to. And so when a Christian refuses to forgive, okay, when another Christian refuses to forgive, did you know it's not your place to demand forgiveness? It's not your place to do that. But just understand, while it's not your place to demand forgiveness, I preached a message a long time ago about Bible truths we shouldn't preach to others. And this was one of the points. People should forgive you. But you know what? You shouldn't go up to somebody when you've wronged them. It's like, listen, I know I smote you on the cheek, but you know what? The Bible says you're supposed to turn the other cheek. And you're not a very good Christian. You know, I know I wronged you. I know I sued you at the law. But you know what? You should be giving me your cloak too, according to the Bible. Don't you say that. Okay? Don't you say that to them. Don't you go taking advantage of things like that. You know, that, that, what a horrible attitude that is. But understand, God just might do that. God just might do that. So if, if, if you need someone's forgiveness and they're not giving it to you, don't you go demanding it. Forgiveness is not, is not owed to you. No, you owe them. And you need to recognize that. And I believe if people would recognize, I don't deserve forgiveness, but I want it. Can I please have it? I think they'd be more likely to give it than they're like, you know what, you're not a very good Christian if you don't forgive me. No, don't go around demanding forgiveness. So... Turn over to Proverbs 6. So understand, when you sin against a lost person, 
When you, did you know God wants us treating lost people good too? You know, we're supposed to be nice to everybody. What about reprobates? Let's not go into all those exception things, all right? But you know, here's what I'll say about that. Again, when it comes to this reprobate thing that everybody wants to go to for everything, we don't know who all the reprobates are. So again, if somebody is openly doing something sinful, okay, some dude's dressed in drag, I don't have to be nice when somebody's openly sinning. But you know, a lot of times reprobates look like normal people. And so that's what we're just supposed to do good to everybody. Again, we don't support people in their sin. If we know something bad's going on, if I know a guy's trying to break into a house, I'm not going to help him through the window. Okay? But at the same time, if I see the house burning down, I might help a guy out the window, and he might be a reprobate. But I'm not going to check first before, you know, before I help him out. I'm just going to automatically do it. So it's just kind of some common sense stuff right there, and it's sad we have to bring these things up. But again, you know, if so, when it, we need to treat lost people good. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27 says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of this house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. And he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away, for jealousy is a rage of man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. So God's basically saying right here, listen, you do certain things, you go and you commit adultery with a man's wife, he's not going to forgive you, is what he's saying. There's some, and the thing is, is like, well, you know, he should... Well, why? I mean, we know what the law says about these things. And he's like, you, you can try to give gifts. You can try to do all these things. But he's probably not going to, he's probably not going to forgive you. And so, under, but understand, he doesn't have to. It's not an automatic. And you do, in fact, owe him, even though he's a lost guy. And if he hasn't been forgiven this great debt by Jesus Christ yet, what makes you think he's going to forgive like Jesus did? And that's, there's a lot of Christians that are out there today they're so used to forgiveness, they act like lost people are supposed to act like Christians in this area of forgiveness. No, you wrong that person. You know what they're going to want? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And you know what? If they're not going to forgive you, you owe them an eye. And again, our society, they're not going to take your eye. But whatever it is, that's, exact, that's exactly what they're going to demand. And you're going to have to pay it. The lost are much more likely to go that route. And so just because forgiveness... Of, from God was easy, uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean forgiveness from man will be easy to get. Okay? Man is not as loving and forgiving as God. We're not going to take time to read the story, but remember when David committed that sin and he numbered the people and, got, and the prophet gave him three judgments. And one of them was to be in the hands of uh, his enemies. And David said, let me not fall in the hands of man but let me fall in the hands of God because he is gracious. And God still killed 70,000 people. And then God stopped. That was God being gracious. So imagine how bad it would have been if man would have got a hold of him. And guess what? David owed that debt. And man was going to be bad to him. So understand, when you're doing bad things to lost people, they're going to throw the book at you. 
And I get it. Our, our nation today doesn't follow necessarily the law of God. But, you know, in our, in our country, if people today can sue you for something, they are going to sue you for something. So, you know what? You should probably try not to hurt people. You know, if you're, I, I, you know, I'd be careful out driving, try not to get in a wreck with a lost person. Because <laughs> they might not forgive you. They're going to act like their necks hurt, so they can sue you for even more money. You know, they're going to, they're going to use the law to its fullest extent, and they will, they will sue you for a trillion dollars if they think that they can. <laughs> they, we know they'll do that. Okay, I mean, listen, nothing I ever do will help me earn a trillion dollars. You know, I, I could never earn that much money, but you know what? Right person hurts my feelings, and if I'm the right, you know, candidate for that, I could potentially sue somebody for that. That's stupid. But, you know, that's probably what people are going to do. So you probably better get these things. You probably better take care of these things. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You offend somebody, you do them wrong. It's hard to win them back. It's hard to make those things right. You need to do it, but it's not, gonna, it's not like it is with God. And it's especially that way with lost people. And so the lost don't really owe you forgiveness and you know what? You're not likely to get it unless you've been good to them. There's also the parable of the unjust steward who he realized he's been a bad steward. He's going to lose the stewardship. So you know what he did? He went and he forgave. Remember how he forgave all these debts and he made the debts smaller? You know what he was doing? He's thinking, if I go and I help all these people, when I get put out of the stewardship, these people will take me in. And you know what? God commended that unjust steward. And said, you know, talked about his wisdom. This guy had the sense to think ahead and think, I better go do some good things for these people. Otherwise, nobody's going to help me. So again, we should be forgiving to everybody, ladies and gentlemen. You need to be good to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be good to lost people too. We need to try to stay right with man. Matthew 5.23 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. God doesn't want your gift that you're bringing when you're not right with man. God wants us right with men. God wants that. And you don't have the right to just go treating people like garbage and then say, well, I went and got saved. Who cares about the rest of you? My sins are under the blood. No, you need to take care of those things. You need to do right by them. He says in verse 25, Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time thy adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. You, do, you go and you, get wrong, you do wrong to lost people, they're probably going to take you to court. You go to court, everybody loses. Everyone loses in court. And you know what? If you did wrong, get it right. The last thing you want is them taking you to the judge. Man, keep your accounts with man good. And a lot of saved people are struggling on earth because they treat man poorly. And then they act entitled to forgiveness. But folks, forgiveness is not an entitlement. I know we live in America where everything's an entitlement. You're entitled to forgiveness of student loans now. We're forgiven. I mean, we're entitled. We're entitled to everything. It's entitlement. Folks, that's wrong. That's perverted. That's not the way it is in reality. You are not entitled to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift of mercy. And we need to recognize that and we need to treat it as that. 
So get things right with everyone, including lost people. Okay? We're not like the Jews where it's okay to do bad to other people as long as they're Gentiles. And you know, we shouldn't have this attitude, ah, well, you know, who cares if we rip some people off? They were lost. No, don't do that. We need to be honest with everybody. We need to treat people, we need to treat people right. And so as Christians, the last thing too, we should be actively involved in helping other people get their account with Christ settled just like ours was. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and folks, this is why we go soul winning. We don't go soul winning to get our sins covered. Okay? We do not do that. Okay? Now, so I, I preached a message over a year ago. It's calling out this junk where people are justifying sins because someone goes soul winning. That is so dumb. People are still crying over that, over that sermon that I preach. And, and the, the, the only response anyone has to it is that I'm teaching people who have sin not to go souling. Not true. Not the case at all. People just needed something to criticize because it nailed them right between the eyes. That is not what I said. Everybody obviously has sin. But not everybody acts like you can't say anything about my sin because I go souling. Okay? I was only joking when we said Austin has to do four extra hours of souling to make up for his wrong. That's a joke. That, that's not only the blood of Christ covers sins. But in Second Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away; behold, all things are come new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, we are ambassadors. So understand, God has, did not hold us accountable. He forgave us our debt. And what we are supposed to be doing is we are supposed to go to a world that's greatly in debt. And if they don't get payment, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. And so what we're doing, we're helping people. Make, we're making the debtors get right with who they owe the debt to, God. And you know what we're trying to get them to do? To get forgiveness. To not have their trespasses imputed to them. That's forgiveness right there. To not be imputed. You owe this debt, but I'm not holding you accountable for it. That's what they need. And that's our job. And so when we go out telling other people how to get saved, we are getting their sins forgiven. We are getting their sins covered. Now, Turn over to James chapter 5 and verse 19. Because even just recently, someone crying about that message that I preached. I mean, literally you went to this passage that I went to in that message. Because I know, I know how Esword people work. All right? I need to find a verse that shows my sins are covered because I went soul And so, Ephesians, I knew people think, Ephesians 5, 19. It says, brethren... If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, I'm not going to go fully, give a full explanation of this, but understand this is James, book of James, written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. What did they do? They would always go to the Jews first. They're trying to make sure they understand Jesus Christ and the Messiah. They're always fighting these people, going back to the you know, Judaistic practices and things. And understand that not every Jew is just automatically saved. These people needed to accept Jesus Christ. And if they erred from the truth, like we see in Hebrews, and they did not accept Jesus Christ, then you know what? 
they were going to pay for their sins. And so if they could convert someone from the error of their ways, not only would they save a soul from death, and they would not go to hell, but it's going to cover a multitude of sins. All those sins that couldn't be covered by the blood of bulls and goats and things are going to be covered. So understand here, this is about winning someone to Christ, and it's their sins that are getting covered. When, when, I, when we went out soul today, that one soul that got saved today, all right, Brother Jerry, if it's you that talked to him, you didn't get your sins covered by that. They got their sins covered by that. You, you, uh, you moved him from the air of his way, you saved his soul from death, and hit a multitude of sins. Because they had, I don't know who they are, but I know they had a great debt that they owed, and they don't owe it anymore. That debt's been forgiven. Then turn over to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. And this, this is so funny because these are not related passages. These are not talking about the same things. But in literally the worst exposition I've ever heard of 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, this passage went to to prove I was wrong in uh, teaching that soul winning does not cover your sins. <laughs> I, I can't believe we have to teach this kind of thing today, but, you know, it's 2022. You never know what's going to happen. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Well, that sounds like James. If we're doing e-sword searching, we've got covering a multitude of sins, hiding a multitude of sins. But wait a minute. What's this about? Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This passage is talking about how we treat each other. And you know what he said? Have fervent charity among yourselves. You know why we've got to have fervent charity among ourselves in a church today? Because if you go to church with people long enough, guess what? We all sin against each other. They stole my spot. They moved my Bible. They stole my crock pot. You know, they, I, I don't know, they said something nasty about my dress. You know, they, may, they, they were rude to me. I mean, folks, listen, we're not going to do it, but if we wanted, and some of you, you are, you're, keep, you're, you're keeping tabs on everybody. This person's wrong on me. I mean, you, I, mean you, I, th- I think some people have a book, you know, and they put dates on it and things, writing out all the things that people did against them. Folks, if we have that attitude with each other, because guess what? We are all racking up debts against each other all the time. You can't get this many sinful people around each other and us not do some sins against each other. So how are, if, if, if we all owe each other all these debts, what do we want to do? Do we want to have a business meeting where we settle all the debts and we bring all our grievances and we figure them all out? Boy, that will split our church so fast it wouldn't even be funny. But you know what we, you know what we could do? We could have fervent charity among ourselves. And that charity, that love that we have for each other, that'll hide a multitude of sins. So you know what? Yeah, that person was wrong in what they did to me, but you know, I forget it. And guess what? We can do that. You know, folks, we can do that. I don't think we ought to go around you know, sinning against each other. We need to do our best. But you know, a lot of things that people do against each other, they didn't even mean to do. You know, it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't planned. Maybe it was. But boy, we all have bad days. We all have, you know, we all have bad attitudes sometimes. We have things that rub us the wrong way or, you know, where it's in the flesh or something like that. And you know what? What we need to have as a church, if we're going to be united, we've got to have fervent charity among ourselves. And that will hide the multitude of sins. And we won't have to keep tabs. I don't want to have to be every single week just refereeing fights and judging conflicts between people. Sometimes we might have to do that. 
But you know what I would prefer? To just everyone forgive each other? Are you really going to make me sort all this stuff out? I've had people do that before. I had a guy one time, and I, I, do, I believe he was probably wrong. I think he was telling me the truth. But he, it wasn't, he didn't even go to the church here, but he wanted me to get involved in this situation. I said, listen, if I'm going to get involved, I've got to do, I'm going to have to call these people. And I, I was like, I'm going to have to do so much stuff. And I said, can we just forget about it? <laughs> and he did, you know, and I, I think that was good. I think that was right. And we can do that, folks. Okay, we can do that. And we are, it's not like when our society ignores, you know, and doesn't give somebody the death penalty for a murder. It's not like our society that's ignoring all the perversion and not punishing people and they're racking up judgment on our nation. No, the sins that we do amongst each other, the sins that are done to us, we have the power and the authority to forgive and no judgment's coming. And I do. I believe Stephen stopped judgment from coming on Jerusalem when they stoned him that day when he prayed for God to forgive them. I believe he stopped it that day. You know why? Because he forgave them. He didn't. He said, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. A sin that they did against him. And Christ recognized that and he honored that and he did not judge them on that day for, for what they had done. And so, folks, this covering of soul winning, okay, it, is, it is all about getting other people's sins covered. If you are in sin, folks, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no more sacrifice for sins. You can't go and just give up an offering. You can't just come do a Hail Mary. You can't just go do an extra hour of soul winning, and then God's like, oh, it's all covered now. No, when you willfully sin, you know, we have indignation, and the Lord will judge his people. Okay? You're not going to go to hell, but he will punish you on this earth, so we're not going to do that. If somebody sins and somebody does something really bad and it needs to be dealt with, do not come to me and tell me how much soul that they did. Somebody goes and they steal money from the offering. You know, don't come, don't come to me and say, well, he went soul an extra hour last week. Yeah, you're not supposed to steal. And they know better. But unfortunately, that's the attitude a lot of people have today. But, you know, we, ought, we need to understand how this really works. And when you understand how everything works, and you, when you get technical about forgiveness, not only does it get me excited and thankful for what God, what God done, it shows me just the awesome power that we have. That somebody could literally do something to me. Okay, You'd say, I'd like to be a governor and I'd have the ability to pardon somebody. Well, you know what? Somebody does something against you as God's children. You know what? I believe they get in trouble with God when they do that. When God sees somebody messing with us, and who knows, depending on what they do, God might want to give them cancer. I don't know. Or I don't, something terrible. I don't know. But you know what? You have the ability to pray a blessing on them instead and say, Lord... Give them a pass on this. Give them a pass. And you know, we're good at doing that with people that we love. I remember back when we went post-trib, I knew we were going to get in trouble with a lot of people. And my wife and I, we were talking about one preacher. I was like, what if this one preacher goes after us? And I said, if he goes after us, I'm giving him a pass. You know why I said that? Because I like him. But there were other preachers, I didn't really give them a pass. <laughs> I didn't like them very much. But you know what? I don't think I scored extra points with God when I did that with the one that I liked versus the ones that I didn't like. We ought to be that way across the board without, prefer, you know, without being, not being partial. And when you do that thing, it does. It, it covers it. And you know what? The truth is, I, I'm sure I've probably done enough thing wrong here 
that if enough people in this church decided, I'm cashing in on what Pastor Tommy owes me, I might, you know, it might cause me to lose my position here as a pastor or get in trouble with God. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, you all go cashing in on everything I owe you. God, then God might start cashing in on what you owe other, or having other people cash in on what they owe you. We don't need that. I say we just be really forgiving. Uh, and we can do that. And guess what? My family rarely hears me say these words. When it comes to sin debts people owe me, I can afford it. I'm not rich. I can afford it. feels good to say those words. I, I, I can afford it. I'd love to be able to go into Bass Pro Shop and say I can I can say those words. I can't say that in Bass Pro Shop, but I can say it here today. And if you do, if somebody does you wrong, you can say the same thing. You know what? Should, should we forgive them? We can afford that, and I believe God will bless that. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for uh, forgiveness and what it means to us. And I pray, Lord, that this message uh, will help us everyone to have a better understanding of forgiveness. And if anything, Lord, it will just help them get excited about that. Uh, power and authority that they have to forgive other people. And Lord, I pray I'll help everyone here to use that power uh, in a great way because, Lord, there's a, there's a lot of sin in this world. Lord, there's a, lot, there's a lot of mistakes people make. Lord, there's a lot of, uh, even in this room, a lot of people mess up and, and just do things wrong, have bad days. But help us to have that fervent charity and, and love for each other so we're not just holding accounts over people's heads. And uh, you'll help us to forgive uh, as you forgave. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs>